0: This is a culture inject production.
1: Welcome back to all of our listeners. I'm Laura. And uh, yeah, welcome back to another Nevers podcast. Uh, In case you've missed us and you've forgotten about us, here's a little bit about the podcast. You uh, can stream the Nevers podcast on Apple Podcasts, google podcasts spotify amazon music youtube and anywhere else that you can stream podcasts you can visit our website hbo you can also find us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube at hbo the nevers and if you have any comments questions uh, topic suggestions anything you can send those all over to the nevers podcast at gmail.com Just want to give another massive thank you to all of our listeners for your support and reviews, all the letters that you send us. It's really great to know that you're enjoying our show, so thanks. Today's discussion, we're doing something a little bit different, so we are discussing the Galanthi, and I won't be going it alone either. Joining me is Jason C. Marshall. Jason will be sitting in for Chirag while he's away Jason is a contributing writer for our website, hbothenevers.com. His articles include The Curious Case of Lavinia Bidlow, Portals and Spores, and AI, my, A Hitchhiker's Guide to Time Travel, and we need to talk about Myrtle and the Galanthe and Analysis, which we'll be talking about today. Jason also produces video analysis, which you can view on our website, and mini analysis of the Nevers on his Instagram account. So, Jason, thank you for being here and sitting in for Chirag. Can you, you know, introduce yourself? yourself tell us a little bit about you where you're from your thoughts on the nevers thus far and what you do when you're not writing analysis for our website
2: yes i absolutely can and uh, first of all thank you for having me and i've been looking forward to chatting with you Uh, a bit about myself i I hate talking about myself (laughs) so okay so the, the the basics where i'm from ottawa ottawa canada the capital city actually i'm like a ten minute walk from uh, from from our government buildings, uh, so it's kind of cool. It's a nice little walk to go downtown. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as for myself, I um, I, I am a, a filmmaker, a little less so uh, lately because I've been focusing on 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 screenwriting because I my films weren't any good, and I had to figure had to figure out why. Kind of like when. Look back over, them. I was like, okay, well, the idea and the execution were two different things. So let's let's figure out what's going on there. And um, I kind of went down that rabbit hole, and now I'm more on a uh, helping other people, uh, beginners and intermediates in particular, uh, write good scripts for their films. So yeah, that's kind of the uh, that's kind of what I'm doing when I'm not doing my day job. As for the nevers, I actually fell into it by by accident. Uh, I was making dinner one night and my partner turned it on and I came in right when uh right when true is is fighting the bad guys who are who are kidnapping Myrtle and then when she punched that guy out the window I was like okay I'm hooked <laughs> I, uh, I I I really I really enjoyed that actually so like, okay so so she's she's tough and then you know as this as the show went on like the first episode went on there's this there's this this outward projection of uh, you know the, the, the strong character, but 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 uh, sorry, Laura Donnelly plays it with a with a vulnerability and damage that's that's super, super subtle, but it comes out, and I'm like, i I am very, very much uh, into this character.
1: Was this the first time that you've kind of done in-depth um, writing about a TV show?
2: Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I actually didn't plan to. <laughs> I didn't plan to do a scene by scene analysis on my Instagram. I just, uh, as I was watching the show, all the things that I've been talking about in, in screenwriting training were were really were really popping out to me. The um, mm-hmm. the foreshadowing and use of doublespeak uh, is it, it really that that in particular popped out to me. Because there's so much, there's so much in it. The um, in the first episode, when when Horatio is is stitching up True, and you know they're talking about the dress, and he's like, "It's a good dress; it'll keep pressure on the wound." And he gets this little look over his shoulder. I'm like, "That's that's not about the dress." And uh, and of course, then we find out about their their relationship uh, fairly soon after, and uh, just little things like that 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 really really. Really popped out to me. I'm like, I'm gonna start. I'm just gonna kind of write about the things that that I thought were interesting, and that just evolved into the scene by scene breakdowns. It was just the easiest way to go about it.
1: Yeah. Are you a fan of other like previous Whedon works, or is this your first kind of? um,
2: uh, Actually, I've been through them all, um, kind of in a in a weird reverse order. Uh, I actually <laughs> started with Serenity and went, mm. and went to see it in the theater and and it's it's a pretty particular favorite cuz at the time I was like just, you know, your know, star trek was like this is this is top of the line for for sci-fi cuz i mean, throwing up through the 80s and 90s sci-fi tv wasn't super great, uh, especially in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. but then i saw serenity and i'm like, okay, this is what sci-fi can can be. and then i went back to firefly and then buffy and angel and uh Honestly, I haven't been. I wasn't super into Dollhouse or or Agents of Shield, but uh, but definitely the, the Firefly and Serenity are kind of kind of top of my top of my Whedon fan list.
1: Yeah, I think um, this show. I was kind of like, I didn't want to get my hopes up too much from watching other things, but at the same time, I was kind of like, well, it looks awesome, and uh, yeah, like you said, straight from the beginning, I was kind of hooked. Again, like you said, with like all the subtleties, like it doesn't scream out at you, like begging you to like it. It's like all that stuff that's underneath, and it's really understated, and it just kind of that really reels me in.
2: Oh yeah, the the the, the it, it's a super talented cast, and the way they can portray, portray subtext is so good. Um, and I think, oh, and okay, and this comes back to my my screenwriting thing, is that the that opening, that first fourteen minutes, we get the first montage. And then, essentially, the second montage, which is the uh, shows the uh, the differences in you know true and true and penance, and the the efficiency of storytelling, and the showing not telling is oh, Laura it was Chef's kiss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, thank you for joining us again, and uh, we'll delve straight into the discussion. So, like I said at the beginning, of this episode is about the Galanthi. I suppose we should start by talking about who they are. I mean, I guess, you know, just on the basics we've got, they're some kind of alien species. They're way more advanced than humans because possibly that, you know, we're thinking that they're here to save the Earth or save humanity. But like is there anything any other like major big points that we know about them?
2: Oh my god! It's it, it's it's funny because there's there's so little to go on, but there's also there's all like it's it's a weird way to look at it. There's so little, but there's also so much. I can't think of a better way to to describe it because it's just in it's just in little little things. And one thing, um, so the first article I wrote for the Nevers, Matthew had specifically requested uh, something on the Galanthi. And like, okay, I can I can I can do that up and you know, kinda of went back through the episodes and, and looked stuff look stuff up and approached it as a here's fact and then here's my my feelings on it. But I'm I'm and um in the video I did that's gonna go up with this, I actually talk about something I missed, and that was uh Lucy's elephant brooch. Because it was so in episode two it was so promptly featured. And in, in good television, they don't focus on something if it's not important or pay off later. Now, I, don't, I, I think I, we'll see how the show plays out, but I do feel like that'll. we'll see what happens with that. But I think the immediacy of it was foreshadowing because you got the little elephant brooch. And then in episode six, there's only those two kind of clearest shots of the Galanthi uh, when Biner's looking at the video feed and it, it definitely has has that that elephant look to it. I'm like, "Oh, foreshadowing." <laughs> that thing I've been talking about, but the payoff was so far down the line. I'm like, it it I didn't I didn't see it originally, so it's not in that, that first article. And something I literally just occurred to me as you as you uh, mentioned, you know, what 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 do we know? They they come through portals and we know the portal they used goes back in time and I'm like, uh, are they aliens or are they, I don't want to say future humans but future evolved species from Earth. Mm. I, 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 it, it's not a complete it's not a complete idea. It's just kind of something that kind of popped into my head as you were as you were talking. So.
1: Yeah, no, those are the best ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not thought about that either, actually. Yeah, you're right, because obviously it's come from the future, or at least that one that we know of mm-hmm. has come from the future. So they have the ability to travel in time. That's definitely a possibility that they're not from another planet or another galaxy or whatever, but they're just from the future of of Earth.
2: And and that's the thing, and this is kind of more of a thinking back to previous Whedon works. Like even in Firefly, there were no aliens; it was just just humans. So I'm like, well, maybe it's not. Mm. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's. But this is the fun, right? We get to we we get to watch the show we love. And we get to theorize and riff, and then and then see how it plays out. And there's a, you know, right or wrong. There's a there's a. I mean, obviously, it's super satisfying when you turn out to be right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of difficult because on the one hand, it's kind of like um, I don't necessarily always enjoy TV shows that are crazy, crazy, over-the-top complicated. And I have mentioned uh, in the podcast before that a lot of the time when time travel gets involved, um, depending on how it's used, I lose interest because uh, I don't like shows when they kind of like, oh, here's a whole season of stuff that you've watched and invested yourself in, and then we're going to throw in some time travel and kind of make all of that redundant um and not necessary to the story anymore because we've we've just kind of erased it all from that from our timeline um and i then i get, kind of get annoyed because i'm like oh i've just invested all my time in this and now you're basically saying like as the writers and the show that it didn't matter and you're just kind of going back on what you've done um so i'm hoping that this isn't going to go go down like a two-time traveling route uh so i guess Because I'm enjoying it, I think sometimes you can enjoy something if it's more simple. If it's got good story and good characters, it doesn't need to go crazy, crazy over the top, complicated. So half of me is like not wanting to delve too deep into it, but the other half is like you just can't stop thinking about it and thinking about all the possibilities while we're waiting for the next season to come.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, I am I am with you there. There (laughs) is, yeah, and like anything, anything that writers come up with. Later, like I said, you you, know, you do a time travel thing. It's like, oh well, we're gonna we're gonna basically rewrite everything we did. It's like, well, there's no stakes then. Yeah, like everything you've established is kind of pointless. And and if they can just go fix it with you know the the magical time machine or the magical repair device or whatever whatever the thing is in a given show, it's like, well, it's hard to get invested if there's if you can just you know with the flick of a switch fix it as it were
1: yep yeah I think well that's always a worry um I think with Horatio his ability is not like um it's not like super super healing it's him using you know his know how as a doctor to literally stitch people back together um because when like instantly when you give someone a healing ability it's kind of like oh well none of the characters are gonna die because as long as they get back to him quick enough you know they'll be okay
2: that that's an excellent point it's something i thought about but yeah when whenever he's fit whenever he's working on someone he's literally doing hand motions and yeah. that that first time true right you see you see you see the wound closing up like it's being stitching stitched but he talks about uh he talks about you know be careful you know you could you know like don't pull your stitches like don't get be too active or you know be careful for infection so it's not it's not perfect but it's and it, it, yeah, that's a that's a very very nice touch. That's a mm-hmm. that's a good catch.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think if and for me personally, if I'm watching a show and I, like an action show like this with um you know a lot of fights and a lot of action where people are hating each other and they're gonna there's gonna be murder and stuff. Like if you if you generally think that none of the characters, none of the main cast are ever gonna die, and there's no stakes, I, I just kind of get a bit bored because yeah it's kind of like what is the point of watching a high action show if you don't think any of the characters are ever going to die um if you genuinely think the writers aren't brave enough to to kill off their own characters and that's one of the things from previous whedon shows is that they'd always kind of been brave enough to to get rid of some of their high profile characters so
2: oh yeah exactly that's why i mean i know there was some some debate i saw online about you know killing mary so early i'm like yeah but you need to because we need to know that these people aren't safe. Mm. Even in numbers, they're they're not safe. And you can say it, and you can have them say it to each other. But unless you demonstrate it, they, it it's hard to it's hard to feel it as an audience member.
1: So back to Galanthi, you know, yes. we <laughs> just kind of touched on where where this from. Whether you know, we're not one hundred percent sure. Are they from the future? Another galaxy? you know earth just down the line but um
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i guess if they're not if they if they're from another galaxy or another dimension how how did they learn about humans on earth and also why why would they venture because i guess for me the first question when they like in that sixth episode we first learn about them it's what are their motives and did they really come, um, like Nita says, to you know, to help save Earth and, and save humans and pass on all this like future technology, or is there an ulterior motive? Because even between that one singular Galanthi that's come back to the Victorian times to help or seemingly help, to all of the other Galanthi, we don't know. You know, if the Galanthi is like a population of a far distant planet or galaxy. If they all get along and they all have the same beliefs, or if just a few of them have separated to come and find other planets and supposedly help, you know, there's so many, there's so many questions still.
2: <laughs> yeah, the um, in uh, so I just wrote the, an article about Myrtle, which which took me forever because I couldn't. I knew I wanted to say things about Myrtle, but I couldn't. I couldn't find my way in, is the best way to describe it. And then it kind of kind of hit me there last weekend, and you. Mm. After like a month of trying to figure it out, I knocked it out in like an hour. <laughs> um, but one of the things, one of the things that 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 popped into my my head as I was doing it is that I, and I could be way off base here, but looking at the Galanthi and looking at the story, I feel like it's possible that the Galanthi character was influenced, like its development was influenced by the Vorlons from from Babylon Five, because there are some parallels to it. And this this is when you're asking how they learned of our existence in. In Babylon 5, if you're not familiar, the Vorlons are an, an older race, and they, they, they basically stayed behind to help the younger younger races. Uh, you know, humans and uh, uh, Minbari. and But they stay behind. Uh, there's a visual, like visually, they the Galanthi in its kind of glowing blue state looks like a Vorlon yet out of its encounter suit. You know, the Vorlons, they make mention that they can break off pieces of their consciousness and and basically implant them in people and kind of, you know, see and hear what's going on out there, which there could be a connection to the spores in that case because we know that, you know, Mary's Mary was the voice of the Galanthes, so there has to be some sort of, you know, telepathic might be the best word for it, connection
0: mm-hmm.
2: to them. Um, so it kind of bundles up the two questions. How do they learn about us and what do they want? I would like to believe that as far as their wants that to take them at their word, I don't think there's, there's been narratively wise, there's been nothing to show us that they're, they're being untrue. They just like, Hey, you guys done screwed up. We're here to help you out of this mess. (laughs) But, um, I mean, you're a genre fan. Do you think I'm, I'm like way off base here or,
1: Um, No, I think my my first instinct was that, yeah, they're just here to help. I'm wondering how far the show is going to go into delving in to, like, the Galanthi backstory, as it were. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know whether they're going to do, you know, of the next six episodes, it's going to be similar to Dollhouse where they'll have five episodes really just based back where we are and then the last episode looking more to that future or if it's kind of all coming into one now because obviously everybody's aware of the Galanthi and it's going to be just very highly focused on, on this Galanthe here and, you know, cracking it open and kind of reconnecting with all of that. Um so it'll be interesting to see in these next six episodes how um how much contact like is made to to this galanthe, whether it be through Myrtle, or you know through it actually kind of coming back out of its little stasis pod type thing, as it were, yeah, and whether also I'm kind of worried that it's just gonna die, um, that whatever Dr. Haig and Bidlow are doing, that it's yeah, it's just before we find anything out anytime soon that something's gonna happen I mean. To them.
2: Uh... It it once again this is something that once again just popped in my head as you were as you were talking about. I mean, it's possible that you know the Galanthia as a character will say well, may not may not exist beyond the end of the first season because it right now it's the driving narrative force. Mm. Like they're like we got to find the Galanthia, we got to help the Galanthia, we got to figure this out. But at at some point, having a real live shape shifting ultra powerful alien. In, in 1899 London
0: mm-hmm.
2: will will screw up that narrative because then you it's it's that whole thing yeah you, you basically have the you have the cheat code well I can just basically do anything I want and it may serve more as an impact character which is like your Obi Wan Kenobi or whatnot it provides guidance to the to the main character characters and then to propel the story forward the impact character mentor whatnot whatnot will die so they may get and once again, this is just a theory that literally I'm forming as we're talking,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that the end of the season may be, you know, I don't want to say death, the, but the end of the Galanthi, but the main characters will get enough answers to, to have a way forward through, through future seasons. Yeah. I so said, once again, this is, this is literally forming in my brain as, as, as we're, as we're talking. Um, <laughs> Because, like I said, it's a whole. Because my, you know, like I said, my, my, my thing is filmmaking and, and writing. So I'm approaching all these analyses from that from that point of view of hey, you know, in 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 storytelling, what we've seen, what we experienced. How would how would this play out in 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 a in a natural way or a way that we're familiar with.
1: And like I said at the beginning, it's kind of like, do I crazily overthink everything and try to like come at this from every angle and think about every single little possibility? Or do we just kind of like sit back and let it, you know, and, and go for the ride? Because um, I feel like thinking about it now, obviously you're saying that the Galanthi is like the main driving narrative of the of the first six episodes. But I mean, obviously we see the, the ship or whatever go over, um, we see the Galanthi go over it at the beginning. But after that, we're not really, you know, we don't actually learn about its existence fully until, mm-hmm. um, like, and know what it is other than like some blue glowy orb, um, under the underground until the very final episode. So it's kind of like, if it is that main driving force it's kind of like, we didn't learn about it till so late, literally like right at the end. And then if you're not someone that will go back and rewatch the show, to, and and you kinda like oh, okay, now you know and you like see what's happening. It's kind of like are we are we gonna get like really Galanthe heavy like next six episodes? Or is it gonna kind of drop back to the Galanthe is just this thing and like more in the background again until like the end of that next six episodes. I don't know.
2: I, I feel like the next six are basically gonna be like the like the heist. we need to Okay, we know where the Galanthia is now. Now we need to form a plan to save it from the, from the bad guys or perceived bad guys, because that mm. that whole Lavinia Lavinia uh, lobotomized, altered, um, touched. That it's gonna be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, do you remember watching it? Did you feel like in episode four when they finally started saying Galanthia? The Galanthia kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It was kind of
2: yeah, yeah, like yeah. Thinking back to that that first pass, and this is a case where I think the the doublespeak and the the foreshadowing didn't work in the in the the create like the showrunner's favor because I think they hid the Galanthi a little too well over those mm. four over those first three episodes. So when in episode four they say we're going to get the Galanthi, You're like what what the hell is the Galanthi? So yeah, that of uh, you—that know, is literally the only thing that bothered me about the first half of season one is that the first pass, it—it it, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Obviously, even though it didn't, because we saw the orb, uh, there were some hints at it, but still, it that that element of the storytelling was a little too well hidden. I feel.
1: Yeah, it's hard to imagine because I was kind of like watching each episode, probably about twice. And the second time was like, the first time was watching it, enjoying it. And then the second time was kind of like more analytical watching it, like for the podcast. It's hard to imagine what it was like just watching episodes one through six with like, just just as a viewer. And I can imagine and the same way that like my in-laws and my mum, they like really enjoyed it, but were also a bit kind of like, whoa, that last episode, you know, just came out of nowhere and it built very quickly. And I can imagine because they wouldn't have been going through like we were and, like, really picking up on all these little things, like Mm -hmm. um, when she's um, with Desiree and she, you know, she says half the word and then, uh, like say, it's, like, slowly peeling away um, something that ends up being the huge... You know, reveal and this like very, very, very important part of the story. It is um, possibly too hidden for some people to have um, maybe enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it was definitely like you said. It's it's uh, in in uh, in writing we actually call it hiding the ball, and it's it's one of those things where where you're building the mystery, but you but you spend you don't leave enough breadcrumbs so that when something finally becomes apparent, you're like well. Where the heck did that come from? Um, did did uh, this is gonna be a little off topic? Did you watch ever watch Revolution when it came out uh, back in I want to say like twenty seventeen or something? The one where all the electricity on Earth stops working.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say it was it that one because I watched the I think possibly the first episode and then I don't know if it was on at a weird time in the UK or we just kind of never went back to it but i remember enjoying the first episode and being like oh what's going to happen and then i just never watched any more of it
2: okay so here's here's what happened with the, with this show so nbc bought th- they bought 13 episodes but then the first episode did really really well so they bought another thir- 13 to finish the season but the problem was they filmed a cohesive narrative for 13 episodes and they were trying to find danny the 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 son that was kidnapped by the, by the bad guys. And that was the narrative engine for the first 13 episodes. And then they find him, and then he gets immediately killed, which, truthfully, I was kind of down for, because, once again, stakes. And he didn't really serve a purpose beyond that point because of how they wrote it. But the problem was that they got these extra 13 episodes and the show kind of fell apart because they didn't have, they didn't develop enough to fall back on. And the reason I bring that up is that that's kind of where I'm at with season one A and and one B of the Nevers. So we have the Galanthias, this this driving narrative, right? So that that's kind of the whole thing with the, like what is it, where is it? We have to find it. Of course, you build this other mystery, like you know the the the, the touched and the spores and, and all that stuff. With this big narrative break and the change in in, in leadership at the top. Are they going to stick to this original plan they developed for the when they originally had 10 episodes? Because clearly, based on everything we've seen, they've mapped everything in, in extreme detail. But because they changed it from 10 episodes to 12 episodes with a split in the middle, how is that going to affect the storytelling? And fingers crossed, they just expanded on their their original plans and kept all this depth and subtext they've had so far to get to the end of the season and I hope it doesn't fall apart in the second half of the season. Like, like revolution did revolution was on a network show where there's a lot of, we know there's a lot of interference. I'm hoping that the nevers being on HBO, they've been given the freedom to, to tell their, tell their story as they, as they see fit without too much interference.
1: Yeah. See, I'm kind of like not sure because I was really kind of confused with the whole, um, Like, having a two-part season with, like, such a big break in the middle, it just doesn't happen. Like, it happens in anime. You get, like, the first half of the season, then you get a little break um, often for the holidays or whatever. And then you get, like, the second half of the season. Um, And anime is also split up very much. If It's, like, a long 24-episode anime. Your first 12 episodes is, like, a story from A to B. And then your second half of the season is, like, another little chunk of story from A to B whereas if if you're expecting like the nevers so like are we expecting the nevers we've reached a goal kind of at the end of episode six right we've gone from like one to six and we had like some form of cohesive um journey where we've come Mm -hmm. to an end it is a a, you know cliffhanger-y but it is also kind of closed Mm -hmm. um kind of neat little ending for a season if it were but now we're going to have mm-hmm. like season one part B instead of just going to like a season two. So then, yeah. Cause I like, is it going to be, if they get like picked up again and it becomes like a successful show, the next season, season two will just be like 12 straight episodes because they will be given the budget mm-hmm. for that. Because yeah, having like two, six part episode, like it, it is kind of strange as a viewer to not just think of it as a season, like a mm-hmm. whole season. Um, Because then it's like, oh, now we need like almost a whole new like little journey for this next six episodes. Is it going to, is it going to, is it going to rain in at all and kind of come back to that, you know, we're regathering our forces, they're all in one group now, it's going to like rain in and be a bit kind of like treading the water and then build again? Or are we going to pick straight up from this, like, we're all here, we're together and it's going to be like, go, go, go from, from the very first episode.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm on another podcast where I talk about storytelling and, and story structure. <laughs> I've only done 3 ep- I've I've only done I've only done 3 episodes. It's the Susie Batella podcast. Now she's all about mobile filmmaking, but we've kind of we're kind of talking about story now to like, hey, you can make a movie on your phone, but now we can help you make a great movie on your phone in storytelling, the the midpoint, which is uh, the the midpoint, <laughs> obviously. It's it's that it's that that big action piece in the moment of a movie. You know, where, you know, the, the good guys win or the good guys lose or whatnot. And it once again, this is this is stuff that's kinda of coming to me through our through our talking. We might be okay for the second half of season two, because what we've literally just had is the midpoint of the season. And you know, once again in movies you have the midpoint, which is either a false victory or false defeat, because what happens in the midpoint will impact what happens about you know Two-thirds of the way through the movie, or in this case, two-thirds of the way through the season. So, I want to say this is a... Even though they didn't save the Galanthi, we have a victory. They got to it, and True got some answers, and we got more questions. But everything that's that happened in that midpoint is going to impact everything that follows it for the second half of the season. Looking at the first half of the season, narratively it follows the same structure as a movie. So, logically, the second half will follow the same structure where you have, you know, you raise the stakes and, you know, the bad guys step it up and then, you know, you have a, that that moment or two where everything is lost and, like, how are we going to recover from this? And then they then they regroup and come up with a plan and and, and beat the bad guy. The, the long and short of that is that this mid-season break, although extremely long, I think from a a good storytelling standpoint, uh, I think we're going to get some really good pay. I don't know what they're going to be, but I think we're going to get some good payoffs in the second half of the season.
1: There's so many unanswered questions about the Galanthi that really you need to kind of talk about the show as a just as a whole to kind of try and wrap your head around where it's going to go and what the Galanthi are going to mean. But when I interviewed um, Amy Manson, and she she seems really psyched for whatever's going to happen, uh, in the second second half. And you know when it's like, um, and it was like real excitement. You know you can tell.
2: <laughs> you know, no, you watch, that, that okay, th- that's awesome. When
1: you know when you see an interview with like an actor and they um, they're like talking about the project they're working on, but you can tell they're not really into it or. They're just kind of talking because they're being forced to. But like you know, but then you talk to people and they're like truly psyched about like what they're working on and it's an exciting project. And you know that they're like if the actor working on it is really into the writing and the direction the show's taken, then it's kind of like excites you because it's like oh there must be some really exciting shit about to happen.
2: <laughs> that seems to be a thing with the Nevers. The 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 excitement from the cast is is, is palpable. You can you can feel it and it's contagious.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely... um, So I'm looking forward to the next six. In terms of the Galanthi, so, like, what do they want? What are they doing? So my first instinct, yep, they're here to help. um, Wherever they've come from, they've they've come to help. Um, And then it's kind of like, so did they... They've really tried to help in that future, right? They've tried to help because of global warming or whatever's, you know...
2: All, 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 all the stuff we did <laughs> <laughs>
1: all that stuff um, and because of humanity and what it's like you know it, it they failed in the future and then you get this lone galanity that's like well I'm going to take this shot here's a window here's an opening mm-hmm. I'm going to take this shot to go back and try and fix it earlier When in a time when humans don't have as much power, because if you think about in Victorian times, humans haven't got as much power to fight against um, to fight against stuff, right? Like in the future that they were in, you know, you're talking like nuclear warfare, whatever technology the humans have got in the future to fight back against the Galanthi who are we think trying to help them. Whereas in Victorian times, they've not got that, you know, it's a time where they can. Really uh, influence better and try and change the world at a much earlier date.
2: Yeah, then that that was one of the kind of the the the, the big things I did in my my first uh, my first article the the Galanthi analysis uh, over on the website, and it's the um, because it's it's the when they're in the future you know they're they're true uh, not true sorry I mean Zephyr I mean I guess they're all the same character but <laughs> uh, Zephyr and Knitter are looking at all the stuff and there's the and there's the butterflies you know with all the other stuff I'm like okay well it's the butterfly effect they need to go back to a point where small changes will have huge impacts over the course of the timeline um and yeah said so, so basically like, it, i mean from a you know from a relative standpoint you know humanity is is weaker as it as it were i mean technologically but this is also right before the you know right before you know the 20th century, where we, <laughs> where we as humans really turned turned it on, as it were, and just started you know making stuff and pumping out greenhouse gases and wars and all the stuff. So the yeah, you're right the the um, the choice of of where they where they went makes uh, makes makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that 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 display case in the future. Yeah, I spent a lot of paused moments on that. <laughs>
2: Oh, exactly, and and that that's the thing with the show. Pay attention to the cutaways. When characters are talking, and they cut away to what looks like a random shot, like in the first episode where where you know Myrtle brings the dress in, and her and Horatio and True are talking, and then they cut away to Myrtle opening a fa- like a little hand fan for what seems like no reason at all. But but then when True's having the uh, her little PTSD episode in uh, in the theater, um the first shot is a is an audience member opening a fan very loudly. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's the pay attention because all, it's all there. They've done such a good job of, of, of showing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this this leads us as well to... Um, like, I'm really hoping that it's not... I don't know what your view is on the... Like I so said, the other big theories, uh, not necessarily pertaining to the Galanthi, but just the show as a whole is the whole... Um, like simulation thing so for like me again like like uh time travel ruins thing sometimes it would be a real shame for me personally if it was like oh this is just a simulation of some kind or
2: i'm i'm with you 100 percent because if it's a, if it's a simulation that is stupid i mean <laughs> I, I trying to use you know gentle terms but if, if, if it's a simulation there's no stakes but once again, this is this is my feeling from a from a narrative narrative perspective, based on everything they've shown us. There's no, yes, they've talked about sim strips and, and simulations, but but beyond referencing them and binary using them, there's no there's no hard hitting evidence to to say we're they're in a simulation because based on how the first six unfolded. We have an established story, and if they did think there was an assimilation, or pardon me, if it was meant to be an assimilation, there would be hints or foreshadowing of it much, much earlier. So I, I, I think we're pretty safe in that that's not, that's not a concern, and I really, really hope it's not a concern because...
1: But it is interesting that they have, they have this case full of things from the Victorian era, so the Doctor, whoever is working with the Galanthi, is clearly interested in this era... Was the doctor working with the Galanthi in a way that they knew that the Galanthi could travel back in time and that this was like a possible plan, you know, for them (laughs) to go back and do this? And they were like researching where, when, when is best the best point to go back? And were they looking at particular people? Because if these are like records of real people's lives and our, our main cast back in the Victorian era, they would have all had very different, um, lives right than what's happening right now um you know amalia would have died and that was the end of her story and then you know everybody else would have had a different story was it like a conscious effort possibly in a plan between the doctor and the galanthi that if everything went wrong in current times the galanthi would go back and particular. Particularly to these people because they'd figured out this will be like their best place and their best shot to do it.
2: <laughs> that's actually that, that's actually my 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 firm belief in in this in the series. And actually, I, I think the next time we talk, we're going to talk about my probably talk about the second article I wrote, um, and that's where I kind of go into my my theories my theories on that. That yeah the, the this the the this this station this research lab they found it was always the plan like okay where there's the yeah excuse me the Galanthi can can make can can or well I guess the Galanthi can make portals but I guess in this case the satellites made the portals like when Biner's on the computer he activates something and like then the little graphic shows up um, but yeah I think that. Because it it, it feels like. Did you ever watch Travelers?
1: No. It
2: was a. I think it was on Showtime. I'm not sure. Basically, it's a a very similar idea that people from the future transport their consciousness back to the past, and they've used. But, like, the past being, like, you know, our present. And they've used things like, you know, all these records from social media and whatnot to know who to. Who to. Transfer themselves into. I only watched like I only watched like half of the first season, so I'm not not super up on it. But there, there there feels like echoes of that. And yeah, I think you're you're right that they did all this research to find we're gonna you know this science team we're gonna train for 1896 using using the sim strips, and then we're and then we're going to the Galanthe is going to take us back and implant implant is the best word I can think of us in in recent in recently deceased people because. I uh, this is jumping ahead, but I I'm all about Biner being Hugo because there's just too much evidence to 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 state otherwise, and it's the drowning in is it one episode one or episode two where Hugo and uh, Masson have their little confrontation at the club.
1: Uh, I think that's two, yeah.
2: Okay, and Masson's like, "You're basically your brother should have died instead of you," and I'm like, "Huh?" And of course, then in the future vision. From episode six, we see Hugo what looks like drowning in like that one or two second clip. And I'm like, Oh, I, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if Hugo and his brother were both supposed to have died when they were when they were swimming. And then, you know, the Galanthis like, oh, well, I'm gonna put Biner in in this guy. Yeah, so there, there there's there's really like when you really look at there's a lot of evidence for that. But uh, uh, yeah, I know, I think you're you're absolutely right. This was this was the plan. We looked at records. We did training. We were we were going to go back. Then, of course, the PDC kills kills the kills the all the the lab the the scientists, and then it's like, okay, well, uh, well, we're out of time. So I got to figure something out. I'm going to scoop these people up who are still alive and take them with me.
1: So why then do we think the Galanthi? Um, what well, I know, we touched on earlier that you think that the you know there could possibly be future humans or future Earthlings of some kind, but um, have they specifically chosen to help help Earth and help humans? Do we think that they've got they're travelling around the galaxy or the universe, helping everyone, or do we think this is a particular cause for whatever reason?
2: That is a big question (laughs) (laughs) Yo, oh geez i hadn't even thought of the bigger implications beyond you know like hey it's you know they're like hey look at these these humans are in trouble let's help them out but i mean could the galanthi be a much bigger uh element on the galactic stage as it were it's possible like you know okay well you know that that is a possibility because we um there's been a whole bunch of uh, various little little like sci- scientific articles written about like why haven't we met aliens and whatnot and a, a, there's a big consensus I've, I've seen like e- IFL Science on on Facebook has a lot of great great articles they put up and every now and again there's th- these little things come up it's like why haven't we met aliens like well because when species reach a certain point of development they either destroy themselves or they don't. It's like, oh, I wonder. Yeah, maybe you're. Maybe it is a a, a helpful race who goes and helps <laughs> helps younger races from destroying themselves.
1: So I guess looking more closely at this, at um, like what we've seen specifically. Well, first of all, the Galanthi um, put out these spores, right? So, do we think that they? randomly choose who gets them or because it's quite a lot of people and it seemed to be randomly spread when they've come back to the victorian age but we were also just talking about whether they specifically chosen certain people through research mm-hmm. um but was it deliberate you think then who who was given a turn and what they were given what's your take
2: well once again this is jumping ahead to my my other article uh, you know uh, spores and portals and ai oh my so i do have a theory that um the Rex AI has impacted the Galanthi, so I believe. Here's my belief based on my view viewings of the show so far. The original plan was always to go back to 1896. They're going to take the scientists with them, deposit them into predetermined, recently recently dead people. You know, because I mean, they're not they're not terrible people. They're not going to take over a over a body that's in use. And, and the spores were going to land on people and basically give them the ability to, as I said, understand Galanthi language and technology. And the scientists that went back were essentially going to act as the shepherds to, to, to build a better world with the... Because it's also the empathic element, right? And having empathy for other people is what makes the world better, not worse. So the Galanthi and the scientists were going to then use that like all these people who got spored and were could understand the Galanthi and had more empathy and whatnot to, to build a better future. But with everything that went down at the lab and it just, there, there, there's, there's a graphic where when the firewall goes up, um, parts of the Rex AI are still on the wrong side of the firewall on the Galanthi side. So it's possible that all, all these people weren't supposed to be given superpowers, but because of everything that happened They just do Like there's like there's a weird interaction between between the Galanthi spores and and how the Rex AI Works that okay, well instead of just being able to understand language and technology You can see electricity and you can control fire and you can do this and that So I don't I don't think the plan was to to make Victorian ex-people <laughs> uh, but it just kind of happened and uh, because yeah so obviously the, the the plan the plan went to garbage and you know <laughs> the, the Galanthi's kind of improvising now
1: Um, I mean before talking with you and thinking about this whole yeah the science lab in the future and it seems like it may have been planned by the scientists to go back to particular people I would have thought that it was just random like who got it um, who got the spores mm-hmm I didn't think it was random what turn what they get. I think it's directly uh, correlating to
2: their personality and things about them. I'm with you on that, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like a two-way thing. Like, you know, the spore lands and it has its, its you know, whatever programming it has, but then it kind of jives with, with the individual. And, yeah, so, like, yeah, because I feel like, you know, uh, Lucy felt weak and she wanted to be strong and... Um, and uh, who's the tall one? Primrose. She she uh, she was little and she wanted to be big, and you know that <laughs> the interpretation of big was giant versus adult.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do think. Yeah, the ter- the turns are great. I think, um, and I just had this thought. So, when Amalia, who we now know is Effa, reaches the Galanthi underground. She obviously has a bit of like a moment, and then we have the whole moment with the 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 big flash forward where she's seemingly seeing lots and lots of clips of like quite far in the future, right? And then eventually Myrtle. But so that's like, um, do you think that's the Galanthi, the Galanthi like energy, super like supercharging her turn? And another question is if she controls her anxiety in the near future. You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're now letting go of all this.
2: Mm-hmm. Her friends,
1: family, know you know who she is, what she is, and she's got this best friend who mm-hmm. trusts her. Um, if if she can kind of control her anxiety, do we think that she will have more control and she will be able to see further into the future? And uh, yeah. This just popped into my head randomly.
2: Actually, and what when you say that made me think of something else. So this this is why I love these conversations because <laughs> see we're we're riffing and, and and you know the ideas are flowing. Um, you might be right because so Lucy always wears the gloves, right? Because she she can't control her powers. But in that scene yep. where she's fighting, true, she touches crates and she touches the the pendant and she touches things with her bare hand and doesn't destroy them. So you're yeah. I think that, I think that's a hint that they can all get control of their power. And yeah, if, if Amalia yeah. and if Amalia can, can kind of get a handle on these, on these ripples and, and have some, maybe not measure control over what she sees, but when she sees like, like, like it, like it doesn't just happen at random intervals. She can, you concentrate and, 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 and make it happen versus it just happening to her. Um, that's uh that's a possibility. Oh, and something else I thought of is in that montage she sees some of Molly's memories. And and I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Like is is you know, is Molly still in there in some still in, in, there. in some fashion or is it just you know, hey, here's you're in this body. I think you're ready to see some some of their experiences to better I don't know. I, I don't have any... Yeah, I got nothing there. I just think it's interesting that they, that they showed it. But that, but that fits into my theory about Biner being true because someone... I was talking to someone online, and they're like, yeah, but Biner can't be Hugo because Hugo has all his own memories. But then we see in that montage, the Galanthi giving Zephyr Molly's memories. So, yeah. I'm, I, so I'm wondering if, if that's the connection there. I mean, time will tell, but... Uh, something I just thought about is that uh, the big, big thing is people. Anyone who does think that Biner is in Hugo thinks their belief is that Biner believes he's just in a simulation. In episode six, when the riot happens, you notice he hits his temple, eh? When he when, uh, he gets knocked over and he hits his temple, you know, right where right where he puts the sim strips. Yep. And then he's kind of like. He kind of, I just watched it the other day, he kind of has this weird moment and it almost looks like like some sort of understanding or flashback or people, like, I can't even describe it.
1: I was just, I just only just thought that about the whole, like, you know, she has this big montage of flash forwards when she's, you know, in contact with the Galanthi. So yeah, does, does the Galanthi have, like, if they were to free the Galanthi, mm-hmm. or at least all come into contact with it at some point, will they all... Will they all become those supercharged X Victorians? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because I, that that's because they, I think they mentioned at some point they're missing their empath, and I think you and Shirog had talked about this that, that it's likely that Malady is the the empath that would essentially guide all the guide all the other uh, all the other touched, um, and I think they need that that element to train essentially, as it were, train them how to how to use their turns. Oh my god, it's so interesting. I, I can't wait to see how it <laughs> un- I can't wait to see how it unfolds because I'm I'm very, very much into this this story and this show.
1: So moving on to Myrtle.
2: Hmm.
1: Um so Myrtle's got a close connection with the Galanthi, because she's the only one that understood their language. Which which is huge, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've just written a pretty myrtle-heavy article, that blew bl- blew my mind.
2: Oh, I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you liked it because I it, like it like I said. It, it took me a month to write this. It it just I had little bits and pieces, but it just wasn't coming. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? But like everything, it comes back to, like all my articles. It comes back to the Galanthi because they're all connected, right? Um, but yeah, my th- this is just my my super weird theory. Once again, based on on-screen appearance, that because it like, to me, it doesn't make sense that Myrtle was chained up and unable to speak for three years. Yeah. So yeah. it had to have happened recently. And we know that the Galanthi waking up is having impacts because of the the Augie seeing the crows, um, you know, Lavinia getting headaches even though she is in close proximity to it versus versus distance. I think that the, the Galanthi waking up is having an impact on on the environment around him around it. Pardon me. And this is that whole thing about language, because true asks why is she chained, and Mister Haplish says infection. Then he makes you know. Then he kind of motions to the other kids that they put they put more Myrtle in quarantine. Well, it's, I I can't I just can't reconcile in my mind that she has been in quarantine in her family home for three years. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. So my theory is that she was we didn't see it because we only focused on the main characters in the in the montage. But we don't need we don't need to see everyone who got spored because we meet people who got spored through the natural course of the of the series. Like we didn't need to see how uh, Annie got spored or how the general got spored or whomever else. So it's possible she got spored. It laid dormant because they specifically reference in the future that not everyone is is affected. They don't know why. Well maybe they're not affected, maybe it's just a dormant spore that activates when at some future time so the theory goes my theory goes that myrtle actually did get sick much more recently and they chained her up to keep the other kids from getting getting ill she died or was near death the galanthi waking up you know needed eyes and ears and a mouth as it were it activated the spore in her She began to speak crazy languages because it's too much information for for a 12 to 17-year-old girl. Their parents thought she was possessed by the devil, so they call in the reverend. The reverend informs whomever, and that's how the truths show up. So that's... As usual, I could be way off base, but I I, I feel like that's kind of how that went down. It, and it's only because I can't justify the the being, being locked up for so long.
1: Yeah, I'd not thought about it, actually. Um, I think there are discrepancies in when people's uh, turns kind of come about. Like, I feel like Mary hadn't sung or had that happen up until that point because it just wasn't, um, it just hadn't come out. So it was there all the time, but it just hadn't activated as such.
2: She actually does make make reference when she's talking to Malady about the song when she's chained up. She says, I, I use it to comfort myself. So it, it did it did crop up oh, at okay. some at some point before that. But it's that whole thing, you gotta you almost have to be hyper vigilant watching the show to catch all to catch everything. To
1: catch all those, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just trying to think the only other one was kind of all gay, like it was happening but he wasn't almost aware that it was happening.
2: Okay, yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. So there may be more touched who don't know their touch because their their turns are so so subtle.
1: But I think with Myrtle, yeah, it is strange. Um that it would just yeah, like happen so suddenly. And mm-hmm. like you say, she wouldn't have been chained up for that long. Yeah, it is it, she's supposed to be like a working girl for them, right? Like she's
2: Yeah, I did I did a little bit of research a kid on they that. they took in because I, I I was like okay well when when were when were child labor laws like what were child labor laws in in in, in the UK at that time? Because I was trying to figure <laughs> out non- Non-existent. I, <laughs> well, yeah, I would I'm, imagine. Yeah, yeah, it looks like because that's what they
1: make it sound like that she's they've taken her in so that she can work. Yeah, and um, help provide income for the family. So why would they keep her locked up? The yeah, they wouldn't keep they wouldn't keep her and feed her.
2: Yeah, like if that, she's not that,
1: providing anything.
2: Yeah, like that's like that's a huge like. Just from an empirical standpoint, there's a huge resource drain because, you know, feeding, washing, toiletries, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of, that, that's a huge drain on a working family in, in London in, the, in, the, in, in 1899. So, yeah, I, I just – I can't but-
1: – So, I do think the voices have just, like, started. Um, the reason for why is, yeah, definitely interesting. So, mm-hmm. like –
2: but and listen, I'm, I, my, my only reason my brain is going there is because of how important language is in the show. Because yep. remember when we meet Lavinia, they're talking about the specificity of modern language.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, it, it's, it's an underlying theme in, 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 if not the whole show, at least this episode. But the other thing that, that, that really that really stuck out to me is, and I, I, do, I put screen grabs up in the article, uh, when they escape and they're in the they're in the motor carriage which you know a car that ejects from a horse carriage Myrtle should be like in total total and complete awe right but but the they hold this this shot on her for like 5 seconds and she's she's looking around but it's not like with awe and amazement it's like she's just kind of taking it all in like the her expression is so specific so specifically not awe like so I'm like, there, there's something else going on here.
1: The first time I saw at the end of the sixth episode was like the flash forward with Myrtle. Like my my first thing is just kind of like, oh, well, as we're getting towards this more future battle, she's the one that can communicate with the Galanthi. So she's become like the the most important player, as it were, and becomes their leader or whatever. Because she's the only one that can contact them. And if there are more Galanthi out there, you know, because it's showing her with like all the spacey stuff around, like, can she contact the other Galanthi? Um, th- that's really all I was thinking. So I've not thought about the fa- like, whether or not she's. Yeah. So I was still sort of thinking she's just Myrtle and that that's her progression as the series goes on, is she'll learn how to fully communicate, like, with the Galanthi.
2: The um, I was on on Twitter. I don't, I don't. I I spend most of my time on Instagram, but I'm on Twitter a little bit. Um, I kind of post questions every now and again. So like when I'm stuck, I'm like, "Hey, Nevers fans, you know, what do you think of this thing I'm, I'm working on?" And sometimes I get feedback. Sometimes I don't. The interesting thing was most people thought that Myrtle's turn had already played out. I'm like, "Oh no, 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 <laughs> not not at all. We've only just scratched the surface of how Myrtle's gonna because." And it's only because she was the first character introduced besides the main characters so early on. And they've used her to great effect while keeping her in the background. I'm like, there, there's much, much more going to happen with this character. Just, just you hold on to your shorts.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think she's probably, uh, yeah, Myrtle and... Um... Malady are the, the characters I'm kind of looking at most for their progression in these next six episodes.
2: I, I'm i definitely keen on it, except for Malady helped, helped them at, in episode six. I'm very curious to see. Yes. Because like it just shows that, that that good part of her is still in there.
1: See, I'm hoping that her power isn't, like her turn is not to take in pain, but it should be to take in any any emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, like, empathically from around her. And it's just because she's been through so much pain that that's how she channels it. If she could unleash her super strength by feeling the love around her, yeah, instead of getting beat up, because that's not a very good superpower, is it? Like, you're getting beat on. You've got to be smashed smashed to shit before you can, like, get your superpower out. It's really terrible. But if you could empathically take in the energy of, like love and the support around you from like the group you're with and turn that into super strength, then that's a good, that's a good power. I,
2: I really hope, I I really hope we get to see her journey over the past three years in, in, in the second half of the season, because you're right. What a contrast that would be of instead of, instead of being around other touched and, you know, people helping each other, how would her, mm
1: <laughs> because i'm hoping i'm hoping for a semi redemption now i don't think i feel like she'd get a redemption where she sacrifices herself and ends up dying to save them because i don't think she's at a point where she can be like fully redeemed um and taken in by everybody so is that kind of um You know, it's like my whole Kylo Ren thing. I'm like, oh, I'm all for Kylo Ren. I understand where he's coming from. He's had like a shitty upbringing and all this stuff's happened to him. He's been manipulated. He's really only like a young teen when all this stuff happens to him. Mm -hmm. And then you want him to be redeemed because he's starting to see like what's happened. But you know that he can't be fully redeemed because no one, it's not like they're going to take him in and like accept him. He just killed all those people. Yeah. He's done some terrible things. I feel like it will be that kind of level of redemption where she um, comes into the gang to help them at the end, but she she won't survive because yeah, there's yeah. no there's no there's no life for her in like the state that she's in and in and with those people, unfortunately. But I, yeah, I would like to see at least that. I feel like the the Nevers gives a really. Um, a really real look at all these characters and every interaction they have and everything they do is like exactly as they would if it was real. Yeah. And, yeah, it's uh, and, just, and, yeah.
2: And, and that's the thing, so in in episode five, where they, where, you know, uh, Penance and Amalia are like, here's my plan, here's my plan. I, I like that because Amalia didn't take on a leadership role and be like, no, we're doing my plan and that's it. Yes. She's like, no, this is what I'm doing, and you can come with me, and this is what she's doing, you can go with her. And it split down lines, but there was no hate. There was no... no. I, mean, I mean, there's some irritation because, you know, you need those bodies to, to help you accomplish your mission. But it, it, it wasn't a bone of contention. It's just like, I'm doing this thing, so come with me. Or go with her or do nothing. And it was just, just very matter of fact. And I I, I really, really like that.
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned it in the podcast after that episode. That it was like one of my favorite moments. Because it shows you how much they trust and respect and love each other. Um, that they That they can do that. They're not fighting over it, like you say. They're not hating each other. They recognize each other's core beliefs and how they feel. And they're dealing with it in the only way possible by splitting up and tackling both problems at the same time.
2: Yeah. And also, narratively, I like that, when, 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 the, when the characters have to go, they have to separate and go on their own missions.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see who goes where, because even, like, um, obviously, like, Annie and uh, Nimble go different ways, and they've been, like, hanging out, getting closer, and you're kind of like, oh, even that's strange. Like, so all these characters that really get along... And really care for each other but are strong enough to to go their separate ways and follow their own dreams without being um like berated into giving in and just going with their mate you know it's like they're not suffering under all that peer pressure they're just doing what they believe in and now after going off their separate ways you know we come back to a point where everyone's together and they're going to be like the most badass super team
2: Oh, exactly. I know that, uh, I saw someone on one of the socials had asked like, what was with the ending of episode, episode six where the, where the, where the balloon inflates and flies off. I'm like, that's, it doesn't mean anything beyond the, the characters are together again and they're come- We're going to end on a light note because the whole episode was so heavy, right? That, Hey, we're back together and we're stronger now than they were before. Now let's end on a you know a little little joke just to just to set the mood going forward.
1: But also I did mention, I don't think anyone else knows, but I was like, oh, like the balloon thing with like a vessel is called a zephyr. Like an old oh, style uh, the- Oh,
2: um a Zephyr or a Zeppelin?
1: Um well a Zeppelin is also, but Zephyr is a word for it. So oh, only really? and I only knew this because in Disneyland in California Hmm. They have a ride called the Flying Zephyrs and you're in you're in like this boat type thing that's got the balloon or whatever on it and it goes around and it flies. So I always thought that a Zeppelin type thing was called a Zephyr. Also there's the Red Hot Chili Pepper song that says fly away on my Zephyr. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So it's nice to see a show that is, um, you know, you can tackle hard issues and is quite dark but with the characters and the dialogue and even the way that it's filmed, you know, it's, it's quite lighthearted. It's funny. And for me, especially, it's like exactly my level of humor, like little jokes that are made. Yeah. yeah
2: it's not, not like, not, 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 not screaming at you
1: in the middle of the screen, just like, oh, that's just a little quip. And if you pick up on it, it's hilarious. But equally, if you don't necessarily pick up on it, it doesn't affect the flow of, of what's happening. Um, well,
2: they, they use subtlety with near-surgical precision, which is really appeals to me.
1: Uh, so we've got a fan theory um, from Berger on Twitter uh, who says straight up that the Galanthi are evil. Um, remember who else took away people's names? The culty work camp demons uh, that Buffy met in LA. Uh, what are your thoughts? So I've not thought about the fact about Galanthi taking away people's names.
2: So I think th- I think there might be a bit of a, a crossed wires there because we don't know the timeline of things. But in, in the future, we know that they make a big deal of of true names, like she, my sacred name. I was mar- when she says I was married for three years and I didn't tell either of them my my real name. I think that that thing, that cultural thing, is independent of the Galanthi arriving on Earth.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Yeah.
2: Um, I think that's just for what, you know, whatever happened culturally to to humankind over however long was between now and whatever that future is, um, yeah, I think that that's its own thing. So I don't think the Galanthi came and took away their names. I think that's that's something that happened on its own, and then you know the Galanthi show up to try and help. And um, I I think it would be a dis- disappointing twist if it turned out that the, the Galanthi were evil because one. There's been no hints of it, storytelling-wise. So much like you, I'm on the belief that I'm taking them at their word. They came here to genuinely help.
1: Yeah, because you've got to think if they are kind of like... um, I mean, they're fairly large, and if they're... I don't know what kind of um, strength they have uh, or powers of their own, just like innately. But um, I think if there was a lot of them, surely they'd be able to take over a planet or do whatever if they so pleased... Um, Well, yeah.
2: Well, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, the PDC guy, uh, General, uh, he's like, ah, these were just scouts or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, if they can open portals, it'd be like, um, it'd be like Fringe. The last season of Fringe, they, they would just all appear and take over the earth. Bing, bang, boom, you're done.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, the Nevers has had, um, I don't know, a bit of a rough start. Which is a shame because I feel like the show is really great. And when I was when I got to work on it, everyone involved, all the crew, were like, this is the next big thing. This is HBO's next huge show. This is the next Game of Thrones. And I was like, awesome. Like, you know, this is going to be amazing. But I feel like it's not hit um, everybody. Like, I feel, yeah, yeah, I just feel like it was, uh, like they haven't pushed it as their next big show. And I don't know if they will with this new showrunner, with this next season, if they're going to really, really push it um, and get it out there. Because I feel like in England, uh, it was on Now TV, like on Sky, and there were Mm -hmm. adverts, but other than those adverts i don't feel there was anything else to kind of like no no one i knew knew it was coming out or was talking about it or
2: i uh before i remember seeing one one poster for it and my thought was oh it's just another victorian like i didn't know it was going to be a sci-fi i'm like oh it's just not it's another thing that takes place in victorian england i'm like okay well i'm probably not going to watch that but here in here here in canada it's carried on uh Uh, bell media has the has the licensing for hbo up here um so i've been watching it on, on their streaming service service crave but i feel i do feel like that being behind the hbo paywall is also hurting it because not everyone has access like not everywhere has an hbo license right and so i think that also that is that is hurting it but i mean we also know that marketing good marketing can make a huge difference and i'm it would be nice if HBO did a big push before the, with the new marketing campaign before the second season, second season or the second half of the season drops. And well, this is the other problem too because there's we're right back to where we were with cable before. Now there's everyone has their own streaming service, so it's like if there's a thousand streaming services, people aren't going to buy them all. So I mean, so in the end, everyone's going to suffer a little bit. Um, I I, look, I am hopeful that it's going to go on uh, because of. Did you watch lovecraft did you watch Lovecraft Country?
1: I did not
2: I would very much recommend it. It was a very good show and unfortunately okay. it got it it got canceled on hBO. They only did the one season um, but it was well received and it got i i I think it won a bunch of awards at the the Emmys or or whatnot anyway, but hBO canceled it and I'm hopeful for the nevers because they did the first half of the season. And with the with the unfavorable critical response, the the low viewership, they could have canceled it already, but they're they're still invested yeah. in, in finishing at least the season so there's there's a measure of hope there, I think and hope it is the primary theme of the nevers
1: It is I think one of the upsides they've got is that they're filming it all and all the production is in the UK and it is cheaper um, to do everything in the UK than it is in America. Like honestly, most of the studios over here are like breaking even if they're lucky because they charge so little to the American um, like film companies that come over. Um, it's crazy, and I think the way that they handle production saved a lot of money because uh, they're not in a studio there. They've like got their own their own base, so I would imagine they're saving a yeah like a crap ton of money um, and producing this show at a relatively good. Right. Also, the names that got involved in the show are not like, you know, not like massive, massive, massive names. Um, although I'm sure they will become. <laughs> but the yeah, I mean, the cast are phenomenal. But there's bigger that like currently with all the streaming services and everything. Like I feel like most big name actors are turning to TV. So you're getting TV shows now with like big, big movie stars in. But yeah, did you want to talk some more about your? your articles because i mean which what? what's your favorite of the ones that you've written
2: Probably, i'll say the myrtle one because it was so much of a challenge or such a challenge whatever the proper english is on that um honestly though i think portals and spores and ai oh my because i i really got to kind of flex because matthew gave me a, has given me a lot of freedom with the with the writing he asked for the one specific topic and he's like just go to it I'm like okay <laughs> um and that was where I'm like... And I was kind of just re-watching. You're just kind of going over the show. I'm like, what do I think of this? And then and then it's that whole thing of... on Because, like I said, I'm, I'm all about on-screen appearance. And then when you look at the graphics used... And, okay, you know what it was? It was Rex. It was one shot. In the future, after they shoot the glass and it bounces off and, a mall- and uh, Zephyr gets gets winged by the bullet... They're all mm-hmm. having a discussion, and then Rex bumps into her foot, and then they do a cutaway to Rex bumping in her foot. I'm like, that shouldn't be there, mm. because you don't show something that prominently, because it it, in in my article I actually do do that screen grab, and it, it you, you see Rex and you see the name written on it, I'm like there's something more here what is it so yeah. then i started looking into it and i'm looking at the you know going back over that that whole that whole sequence in that episode and there's all these little things that that connect i mean the appearance of the rex ai it's got those those little bubble arms rex literally gets mentioned more than characters in that in that mm-hmm. sequence so like okay i'm going to go back over this i'm really going to going to take this apart yeah so it was a fun one to to just kind of Go a little bit wild and have fun, have fun theorizing on it. And I do have another one for you. You might be interested in. That's not, not not an article. It may not be an article. It may just be a social post. But you know, boot that that betrayed them. We didn't we didn't see him die. We saw him get shot and 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 fall back and slide down the wall. It cuts away from him, and he only got shot in the shoulder. And it cuts away from him before he even hits the ground. I bet that guy, I bet that guy's still alive and in the past. Because there were, fi- there were five scientists, because um, I was able to do a count. And who was left alive? Uh, Zephyr, the PDC general. He- Why do I want to call him Herringbone? Jesus. Um, uh, Biner, the Crescent, who we haven't... I, I don't even know where he is in the series. There's, there's, like, he's the only one I haven't been able to find hints of. And I thought Rex, the AI, went back. But I think just that had an impact on the Galanthi. I think that Boot is one of the bad guys. And I don't think... I, I, I am 100% confident that Masson is Masson. Like, he's not... He, he's, he is, that's, he's the person he's supposed to be. But I wonder if the bigger king... I feel like, I feel like Boot could be the bigger king. And it's only because of the, the intensity in both of their eyes. That's the, that's the only thing I'm going on. Because Boot, like, the the, the, the actor of Plato has those really, really intense eyes, right? So, yeah, so um, I got a little sidetracked, but yeah, Portals and Spores is kind of my my favorite one to write so far because I just kind of got to absolute freedom to just investigate and throw my theories up there.
1: So, articles and now videos. So, your first video is going to be published uh, actually the same day as um, as this episode is released. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: yeah this is um this is kind of it, it, I, I threw it out there to Matthew when he was all for it because I was curious about the the engagement of video versus versus text articles. I know I read somewhere that that um, blog posts like these days blog posts don't do as well relative to their to their video counterparts so like you know well let me um Let me, let me, let me make a video, like turn these articles into, into video and, and see how it works. Because like some people just don't have time to, you know, they don't have time to sit down and read uh, or they just, they just, you know, reading a blog post just doesn't, just doesn't do it for them. Like, um, like for example, me, I like video because I, I, audio visual really speaks to me. Um, so I'm like, well why, well, why don't we see if we can we can turn this one piece of content into more than one piece? So I'm like, well, let me let, let me let me do some let me do some video and uh, and we'll we'll put it up and 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 see if people see if people people like that. So yeah, it's basically it's a it's a variation on the article, but I've added a couple things that I like. I mentioned the the brooch that I didn't I didn't pick up on before. So the so a couple so it's not it's it's not like a cut and paste like I just turned on a video camera and and read the article. No, it's it's. I've added some added some clips and some some additional things that have come to my my mind later. So it's it's still a, it's its own thing, but the it's based in the the information presented in the in the article, and uh, I will probably do that moving forward. And you know, and then you and I can potentially discuss discuss at the same time. So it just more ways to to share information for ideally for for fans of this podcast to to engage with us us further
1: yeah i think i do most of my kind of like i mostly read stuff online just because it's like when i'm sitting and i've got a moment my brother he's a gamer and my friend who's a gamer as well so when they're at their pc and they're gaming they've always got like another window open with some kind of video right you know, whoever they're following online, doing a review of something, or just talking about whatever.
2: And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's just the the idea is just to make this more more accessible because because uh, you know you've, you've been doing good work over here, and and I think we need more fans to come over and, and check it out.
1: <laughs> if anyone wants to like share their thoughts and like start discussions of their own and start talking crazy theories like we have, you can head over to the website, um, to The Tavern, which is basically like our forum. So you can all start chatting and engaging with each other and yeah, talking random theories.
2: (laughs) I I actually, uh, I've actually just started this. um, The, um, because I realize not everyone's on Twitter or not Twitter, pardon me, uh, Instagram. And I do have that character limit uh, so I can I have to be very 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 choosy with my words when I'm doing doing the scene breakdowns. So I just I just posted my very first one over in the over in the tavern. So because ba- so I'm basically taking my Instagram posts and I'm going to start moving them migrating them over there where I can kind of get a little bit more in depth and uh, hopefully some people you know who will come will come over and check that out. Um, the very the very first one uh, is just my thoughts on on the opening montage. Just like when I was like, "Hey, this is really efficient storytelling."
1: It's nice to have a place as well because with Instagram, like you don't always necessarily like check in and go to your pages that you follow. So like unless you like catch it as you're like you know scrolling through that day, it's like easy to miss stuff sometimes. Um, so it's nice to have you know a dedicated place where people can go and like read your thoughts and talk to each
2: other it's it's more central like i mean because i I imagine the idea is that hey nevers fans come over and check out hbo because this is where all the stuff is that we're doing and you can engage with us and you can engage with with other fans um in one central location Uh, so i'm I'm definitely my plan is to get more active over there uh as Mm -hmm. well and um yeah it's a good site there's a lot there's there's a lot here to go through i was kind of overwhelmed the first time i i checked it out because I found you guys because you know what happened is i'd uh I found the nevers and then I found your podcast so i uh, it was one of the few times I actually listened at work because I really wanted to hear what you guys had to say now i haven't gone I've only recently started going back all the way to the beginning, but I started with with episode one where you and Strog were talking about that so i've been so I've been listening to you uh you and and him and and whatnot uh for several months i guess
1: yeah, it's been a while now.
2: <laughs> I mean this has nothing to do with anything it just hey I found you guys after I found the Nevers and I hope other fans do too because it's and I, and I understand uh, I think early on uh, there was some conversation about this podcast versus the the official one mm-hmm. and, and the and the official one feels like a dessert like it just a couple people hey let's laugh and talk with the show like have a good time together and, and interview the and have a ch- have a quick chat with the uh, with the stars but it doesn't have the doesn't have the depth that this one does, and and that's what 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 drew me into to this podcast, and and now I'm talking on it, which is super cool because I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, it's nice to hear. That, um, I mean, like you say, it's not like a competition between like the official podcast and ours, but it, it's nice. You know, they are very different, and you know, it's nice that people. A lot of people have said that they prefer ours because it is like ours is like just a couple fans nerding out and like delving deep into what's going on. Um, yeah, and
2: exactly. The official
1: one, like you said, is more like a, you know, obviously they've got access to the actors and like in a much more direct way, like being yeah. right there and, uh, and just kind of having a laugh.
2: Yeah. I would describe, describe very much as a dessert where this is a meal. Yeah. If that makes
1: sense. So I guess finishing up here, I had a final thought. So talking about like where we think the Galanthi is going to go in the next um, half of the season or even in later seasons, I was thinking to myself, like if the, if the goal is to kind of like get the earth to a place where, um, you know, humans aren't going to destroy themselves and they, they feel like they've reached that goal. And if the, is still around and they decide to like head off back to their home or whatever do you think that anyone will be aware that they were there or like after the spores hit do you think everyone's memory like everyone who's got turns maybe their turns will disappear and all their memories will be wiped because that's that's like they've clearly got the power to erase people's memory
2: that i mean that would be a that would be a good payoff to that setup
1: because a world that's been fixed but you know it's been fixed by some exterior force and like you're now living in this world where you know about that would that be weird would it be better to fix the world knowing that like humans are going to be fine and have nobody have any recollection of like why this is just like how the world is and how it always was and everything's happy like I don't know. It just popped into my head. Uh,
2: I will say that what we know of the future they established is that knowing an alien was involved certainly uh, caused the conflict between the PDC and the free lifers. And I I apologize to anyone. I realize I've been saying PDC when I meant free lifers a couple times earlier. So just just know what I meant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I reversed those a couple times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should be better than that, <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean that that the Galanthi being there and interfere, quote unquote, interfering is is what is the central cause of that conflict. So maybe you're onto something there that will help, and then you'll forget we were even here, and you'll think you did it all on your own, huh?
1: <laughs> that's my final Galanthi thought for the day. <laughs> that's uh,
2: that's interesting. That's interesting. I um. Said, I'm I'm curious to see how it'll how it'll play out. Um, I would be surprised to see the Galanthi uh, be an element beyond season one, or at least this particular one. And does of I mean other Galanthi may duck in and out? And we'll have we also have the future episode like they've established this future, so we have something to cut back to, so it's never really gone. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because no, yeah, only Malady remembered the first. The, mm-hmm. the sporing. So it's like, but no one saw it. Like, no one from out of anywhere. Like, so it's weird.
2: Yeah, because yeah, cause even, cause, cause even the touch don't remember.
1: No, no one remembers. And it's like no one, and it's not even like, the spores only fell on London, but surely someone living over a few miles away from London would have looked over and seen this giant alien ship. Like yes has the, yeah. but no one no one has any recollection so it's not even like necessarily just the people that the spores hit forgot mm-hmm. and like you said it would be it would cause um, friction I mean at the moment only the small crew of people know that the Galanthi exists so if they manage to fix the world and it's only them then there's no reason to like you know no one else is going to know about it but um yeah also would it be nice if those people went back to like normal little lives and just forgot about everything that happened i i, I don't
2: know oh it be interesting we, we'll, to see it'd definitely we'll be see. interesting to see <laughs> and that's the best once again like i said that's the best part we can discuss this and then we get to see how our theories play out and like right or right or wrong it's still it's still a joy to to talk about it i i'm i'm, I'm very curious i in particular i'm curious to see how close or far i was because uh uh, what can I say? I like validation. <laughs>
1: well, I think from like from very early in the Nevers, I was kind of like, oh, that that Amalia, she's from the future, isn't it? I was like, <laughs> she's she's not she's not just like a little Victorian lady. This is there's something going on here. She's either she's something she's not, or she's from the future, or she's. And then as the episodes were going on, and she kept mentioning. I'm not from here. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and very right from the very beginning she's dropping these little lines like that. I was like, "Oh, 100%." So I'm glad that like I'm glad that I got my my payoff with that and I was like, "Ah, oh, cool. I was right." Because
2: <laughs> Well, well the best part too is is because it's it's they didn't hit you over the head with a sledgehammer with it. It's just no. little 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 snippets just enough to be what? Hm? What?
1: And the other bit I liked was when yeah, when when it's Mary's song and you see it in Myrtle's face. I was like, you see it, you see that she's she's hearing what they're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for me, I was worried that it was like something really bad, like, um, you're all gonna die, or you know, something like that. But you know, the shock the shock wasn't because she was hearing something horrific, it was just because she was hearing something <laughs> when nobody else was
2: I will say things I liked is that, that same episode when you know they they've translated it and they they tell they tell uh, true and penance and and true has that moment where she where she breaks down like that that was impactful, but I will say my my favorite episode in the first six is is six and in particularly uh, Molly's story and I'm not afraid to say I choke up a little bit because it's. You have done a fantastic job of setting up these characters. And then in something like six or ten minutes, you tell their story about how the world just ground this bright, hopeful young woman to, to friggin' dust. And it's, it's very sad. And I enjoy it, is, it.
1: Yeah, it's very nicely done. I was just going to say that I feel like the structure of the show and the way it is so subtle and understated and the way that it kind of pulls you in and out doesn't you know throw it in your face and even in the very last episode we're given something that's like crazy out there that with the like chapters and yeah as a viewer you're kind of like what's going on oh but- uh,
2: yeah exactly I, I love that i i, I, I don't i have how i don't want to say it <clears throat> i feel glad i'm not the only person who's like am i watching the wrong show did they did they upload the wrong thing to this
1: i did that i did and, that
2: and then, and then it and y- you know what? It's it, it's it's a little jarring, but because, like I said, the structure of the episode makes it, it it's very very satisfying. Because we get to meet the true Zephyr, Claudia Black. So you don't you don't hire someone like that that never revisit the future in future episodes.
1: So, yeah, I think that's all of our Galanthi talk. Um, I'm sure we could talk for many, many hours more about the Galanthi and everything else, including Batman and Star Wars. And
2: <laughs> I think so. I think so, for <laughs> but, sure.
1: <laughs> but um, I guess we should kind of wrap up our first um, conversation together. And, I mean, you know, that's it for, for this episode. But I need to say a massive thank you uh, to everyone who's listening. And I need to say a massive thank you So jason yeah thank you so much for joining me today
2: it was a pleasure
1: where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you online jason
2: okay i apologize because there's a lot more than i thought there were but primarily i'm on instagram that that's kind of instagram is where i hang out the most uh that's at jason c marshall and that's where i do my nevers breakdowns and uh and other other you know screenwriting related things um Twitter a little less so, but I'm getting more active, and that's at Jason Marshall CA. I do movie reviews with some friends over at Zero Theory Media. That's where we do all our filmmaking stuff, and I'm also on the Susie on the SB SBP podcast, the Susie Batella podcast, which is all about mobile filmmaking and where we're specifically talking about story structure, and we're we're just getting into that now. Um, we kind of did the overview. Uh, we talk about acts, you know, the four act structure, cause I don't like three acts. It just bothers me. Uh, and then we're going to start, then we're going to start getting into the story beats and then scenes and character. We're basically going to break it all down and we use examples. Um, I'm actually going to be using wonder woman and serenity, uh, as the examples. So, so that anyone following will be like, okay, you're talking about, you know, the prologue beat, but what does that mean? So I was like, okay, well, the prologue is the opening in Wonder Woman. It's this, in Serenity it's this, et cetera, et cetera. And I, 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 think that's everything. I'm, I'm always active. So if you you want to talk Galanthi or filmmaking or whatnot, just hit me up because I like to chat about all this stuff as. As I guess now you're well aware. <laughs> oh, I say, what about you? You're on, you're on, you're, you're on social, but not not quite as much as me.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not like super present on social. I have my Instagram, which is mostly just like nerdy things, f- new figurines that I buy. Um, it's, <laughs> it's perfect.
2: It's it's absolutely perfect.
1: <laughs> but um, that's yeah, Laura JP one seven two one, which is also my Twitch name. I I changed it so it's the same it was pain which is um a character from final fantasy 10 part 2 that i've used okay. for like every game character that i've had since then <laughs> when i was like 10 or whatever but yeah if you've enjoyed the, the podcast then uh, we would of course like it if you left us a positive review um again you can find us on apple podcasts google podcasts Stitcher, soundcloud amazon music podcasts youtube and wherever else you stream your podcasts um for more Nevers related content uh, you can find us on the web at hbothenevers.com You can look at us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at hbothenevers and also at the Nevers podcast and the famous at the Nevers podcast without the A um, because you know that wasn't available on Twitter, uh, much like your name Jason. Any comments or questions if you want to jump into the conversation uh, you can send them to Podcast at gmail.com and please if you're you know you're listening and you're enjoying all of this content you can also rate and review our podcast and help us reach more listeners but yeah until next time you know this has been the nevers podcast thank you so much jason again for joining us
2: thank you for having me
1: but um from us for now that's goodbye from the nevers podcast
0: This episode of The Nevers Podcast was written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Studios. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers Podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries, including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers, and all names, pictures, and audio clips, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.